Hey guys, Ansem Hyde, Enzi here. Um, I'm outside 529 in Atlanta, which is a venue. Uh, hanging in the parking lot where I just came to piss earlier tonight. Bandit is the band I'm with. Um, do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, I'm Gene Meyer. I'm the vocalist. I'm Gobi, drummer from Bandit. I'm, I'm Jack. I play guitar. And is it, is it a coincidence that every place that's really good for an interview is also good for a piss and a murder? <laughs> you know? Well, you just ruined the. Back here, but, you know, you ruined the end of this interview for me, but thank you. Um, <laughs> Siege of Self, your first full length, came out earlier this year. Me and a lot of other reviewers heard a lot of Pig Destroyer in the sound. Uh, was that intentional, and or was that just like our lack of imagination as reviewers? And also, you know, generally, what are your main influences, specifically on that album? Uh, I. I I would say it was intentional, but we already got one cease and desist, so I'm just going to have to say no comment. Okay. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Uh, I would listen to Phantom Limb and Terrifier more than I've listened to any other albums in my entire life. It was absolutely a massive amount of influence. The guitar you saw me use tonight, I actually got from Scott Hall. Okay. Um, that's cool. So, yeah, big influence, but, you know, in terms of other influences, listen to a lot of Discordance Axis, a lot of Agents of Abhorrence from Australia, super, super incredible band, uh, a lot of Chapong, both new and old, um, really big into the latest Car Bomb LP, it's a huge influence on, like, the, the grooves on the record, and, uh, you know, rock and roll, ACDC, Lou Reed, stuff like that. I w actually, we, I got to see Chapong also this uh, tonight because they're on tour with these guys, so it was quite the show. For me, when I listened to Warsaw, I felt like there was an underlying theme. A lot of the songs are named after cities that had concentration camps in World War II. Would you say there's an underlying theme to this record, and if, is there a connection to the record Warsaw? And the reason I'm asking is uh, the last line at ended, End of the Rainbow, which I spelled wrong in my notes, um, is called Bury Me in, I'm going to butcher this, Chestovova. Thank you. Um, yeah, are they connected? Do they both have general themes? What's up? Yeah, so Warsaw is about, uh, inter oh yeah, thank you. Warsaw is about intergenerational trauma. Okay. And on both sides of my family, um, my, my dad went through a very painful divorce as a child. My mom, her parents survived World War II, labor camps and all that shit. Um, Siege of Self is more about my own struggles um it a lot of it focuses on um failed relationships depression um i was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder while we were recording it so a lot of it plays into that um but one thing that um we always try to do is reference older material in the new material so in that last song, not only do I reference Chestahova, but I reference the parking lot, which is a reference from Self-Inflicted, the ah, last Bear okay, Coup song. Okay. And throughout the album, there are certain lines that are repeated, like a little bit of yeah. violence, never hurt anyone, stuff like that. Um, it's, your music seems intensely personal to me. Is playing a cathartic experience, and do you ever struggle with how much you're willing to share with your audience? It is intensely personal. Uh, I don't think we'd have it any other way. Um, playing is also intensely cathartic. I also don't think we'd have it any other way. Um, on this tour, 
there have been some shows where we have just given our all and the audience stares at us like we're a bunch of penguins at the zoo. <laughs> uh, but tonight was a good example of the crowd really reciprocating our energy. And, you know, we, we know that if we're going to be a band that gives 110% every time, sometimes people just aren't going to be ready for it. And that's okay. So, yeah. That's, that's a surprisingly adult viewpoint of you, so thank you. <laughs> What's your take on the mental health, national mental health crisis, um, and what role does extreme music play in it? It's for you or anybody? So I think, you know, the crisis we're seeing really started during the pandemic. I think the pandemic forced a lot of people to get honest about uh, their mental health and really you know, because prior to that, especially in men, there's a lot of uh, urge to downplay or ignore or pretend it's not there. I think it's actually moving forward. It's progressing. People are talking about it more openly. I'm seeing like athletes and celebrities and all that. Um, yeah, there was like a gymnast, right? That yeah. Dropped out of the Olympics. Yeah. I mean, last year, Mike Patton uh, canceled a tour right. for yeah, mental health, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's it's becoming more and more of a widely accepted thing. Um, and I do think extreme music is just, you know, it's such a good outlet for people struggling with that shit. Because at its core, it's about dealing with unpleasant emotions and, and, and really processing them with peers and stuff. So this is for all three of you guys. Um, what was your first exposure to grindcore? And what really got you into this very abrasive, caustic form of music that my parents did not like when I was a kid? Um, <laughs> well, the, yeah. the, it's a long story, but the first CD I ever owned was Rage Against the Machines self-titled okay. when I was five. And that really just sent me down the path. And then, but the first grindcore album I ever heard or really paid attention to was Prowler in the Yard, which I stole from FYE, which makes, which makes it sound like a 58-year-old man. But uh, yeah, I, I, the most punk way to get that out. Yeah. So. I remember putting that in my mom's van and just being blown, just totally blown away by it and really hooked ever since. Uh, for me, uh, it was, I think I moved to U.S. Uh, in 2011. So back in Nepal, there wasn't a lot of like big grindcore scene. Uh, the first big band that came to Nepal ever was uh, Napalm Death. So that was kind of only grind band that I saw or listened to. And then once I moved to US uh, in East Coast, I saw a lot of bunch, met a lot of basically a lot of friends who were playing in grindcore and metal scene. So there was a lot of exposure to local bands uh, like Triac, even from Dallas, Texas, like Cognizant, watching Brian Pardo and things like that. So it was like more kind of like closed circle and friends that that exposed me more to grindcore scene. And then that is how I eventually started playing it too. And when I was when I was 15. My best friend, our original drummer, Michael Thomas, shout out Michael Thomas, downloaded the This Comp Kills Fascists, Scott Hall's first relapse oh, comp, wow. okay. and he was like, you need to check out this band, and that band was, um, uh, I don't know if it's ASRA or ASRA, ASRA, but the first song I ever heard was Cancer by ASRA, and that shit totally blew my mind, but the most influential band on me from that comp was Chainsaw to the Face, who is a New Jersey band, and um, they were this incredibly arrhythmic, psychotic, brutal grindcore band. I had never heard anything like it, and 
when I found out that they were a straight edge band, I, that is why I became straight edge and I'm still straight edge uh, to this day. So RIP Billy and, and shout out to Burton and Ben Wood. That's a great name for that band, Chainsaw the to the Face. Best name of any band of all time. <laughs> best name of all time. Your last album was produced, engineered, and recorded by Colin Marston, who is a bit of a legend on our stupid site. Um, we love him way too much in a creepy way. So what was it like working so closely with him on this record? I think working with Colin is really organic and natural. Uh, previously, uh, I've recorded drums with Chepang. Uh, we did like a couple of albums with Colin. So as soon as you, his studio is called Thousand Caves. So as soon as you walk in, in the middle of the Queens, as soon as you get inside the door, it's like trees and everything around. So as soon as you go in, there's like a big hallway with a big piano and then that's a live room. And then for drums especially, he also puts a mic, like a little bit far on the hallway room too. And then when you're playing itself, it's like super organic and loud noise uh, that's coming. So whenever you're playing for the recording too, it's one of the most comfortable pl place to play any instrument. I think that was the biggest thing. And then it's super easy to work with him because you're already on that super comfortable state to record with him. One thing I, I'd like to add is something Colin is famous for and in some ways infamous for is he really likes to capture uh, performance as it is you know he wants to capture the way that a band actually sounds which um if you're really good is awesome but you know if you need to practice is very stressful and i swear to god i have never been better at guitar than i was when we recorded this record because i just had to do everything precisely right for it to be on the record the way that it was. And there's even a lot of performances that I'm still a little unhappy with, but Colin thought were so great. And I respected him so much that I was fine with leaving them in there. And um, I really think that that adds so much character to the records that he does, especially records that are super technical, like like ours or like a, an artificial brain band that could so easily end up sounding like overproduced and like robotic. He is just like, no, we're gonna get uh, organic sound that is, sounds like a live band playing in the room with you and it's incredibly rock and roll and, and really beautiful so you guys you're nearing the end of your tour you did kind of like a midwest by south all the way back up east kind of i don't know what to call that kind of tour um what's your favorite city or show you played so far on this tour st louis uh yeah you can each say something if you want i mean i i think the real surprise of the tour for me was davenport iowa I had never heard of Davenport. I it was a Tuesday. I had I thought okay, there's going to be like three people there, and we showed up, and there was like 80 people there, and like it was rocking. It was totally fucking rocking. That was, and 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 we were up there. We just crushed it on stage, and and the crowd just really went wild for us. I think. For me, I think it was St. Louis. Uh, there was. Uh, uh, not not as big as uh, the Ohio crowd, but I don't know. There was some kind of different energy where everyone went all out. So by the end of the show, like we were like drained out, <laughs> but it was totally worth it. Like you know, it was a different energy there, which we could relay back to the floor or whatever that was. But it was it was really good energy out there. Uh, St. Louis and Davenport were definitely the biggest surprises of the tour, and I had a lot of fun at both of those shows, especially at um, St. Louis. 
But I have to say that Memphis was an incredible experience and, and my favorite show of the tour. And a big thank you to to Josh from Wise Grind Records for setting it up and Corroded for playing the show with us. It was so much fun, such a good energy. The entire crowd seemed to love every band, and um, we really just had a great time hanging out and goofing around with our friends, which is like all you could ever ask for, you know, at a show. So thanks, Josh. Another question from another writer. <laughs> this might be the best or worst question. I don't know. Um, so when you're on tour, in my experience at least, you generally eat a lot of shitty food. What's the best? And the last band I interviewed actually ate amazing food their whole tour because I guess they planned that out. But I, I'm. Um, what's the best and or worst tour food you guys have stomached down? Or maybe enjoyed a lot? Well, I, I, I won't say the worst because I don't want to put negativity out into the world. <laughs> okay, best then. The best was in Chicago. We went to a Himalayan restaurant. What was it called? It was just called Himalayan. And it was so good. Oh, and also in... Where was that? Afghan restaurant? Oh, that was in... Um... Milwaukee. We went to an Afghan restaurant in Milwaukee, which you hear that and you're like, what? But then we went and it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah, I think those were the top, yeah. top I would say. Uh, the most spiciest food we ever had was dek thai. I think it was uh, Memphis. Oh, the, 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 the chicken? The yeah. Chicken. No, that was yesterday. That was Tennessee. The Before that, the Thai place we went. So basically, we went to there, had some like <laughs> super spicy hot Thai, and then each of us, everyone in the band, like tour Japan, D Cultivate, and us, each of us took shit like three times right before playing <laughs> so that was the most memorable thing i think <laughs> yeah now the the rough it was rough for um dark matter in nashville so thanks guys we're really sorry uh won't happen again we'll be uh we'll be fasting the next time we come to to nashville but in terms of the worst food for me the best food definitely what these guys name was all delicious the worst food that i had was um yeah, yeah, we did. I am vegan, um, and a couple of the cultivate guys are vegetarians. So like, we went to a Denny's, and like, there's absolutely nothing for you to eat there. And even what I did get, like potatoes or or, it's all cooked in butter. So after that, my stomach was absolutely uh, annihilated, and it was absolutely the most hilarious way to welcome our European brothers to the, you know, to the culinary mastermind that is the United States. You know. Ice cream shake, <laughs> bacon on a ice cream they shake. Have that there? Yeah, yeah, they have that there. Yeah. But I think Dennis was worse after we ate it. But when we actually had it on the table, that was, was the delicious. best thing. Oh no, it was great. <laughs> it was the best thing we had it, and then after one hour, we it's stopped, like everyone like is like, dimes, <laughs> so. all right, never again. <laughs> I guess all I have to say after that is, what the fuck is up, Dennis? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like with your food, though. Okay, last question. Uh, for you guys, what are some of your favorite releases so far this year and some other bands that fans of your band should check out? And I'm not just saying this because I have to, but I do. The, the new Chapong LP Swata is one of the most creative and one of the most transcendental grindcore records that has ever been made. 
you know, the, the, the A side and the B side of the, the first LP, that's right, it's a double LP of Grindcore, are just, you know, some of the most angular, intense bursts of, like, extreme music that have ever been recorded, and then you think, how could these guys go more into uncharted territory than they already have? The side A of the second LP was recorded by a lot of our friends who are drummers, recorded just sort of random drum tracks. Some of them are jazz drummers, some of them are rock drummers, some of them are, the drummer Dirk Van Buren from Megadeth is, is on the record, you know, like super, super wide net of personnel. And then friends of ours who are guitarists wrote random, or not random, but wrote things on top of those drums. And um, I did a song with uh, George from Anasnap, and there's some really unbelievable stuff <laughs> on side A of the second LP. And then side B of the second LP is AI-generated grindcore. So yeah, I, I don't think anything's gonna top that for me this year, but the new Shitstorm LP is fucking sick. For me personally, I don't listen to a lot of music, <laughs> so I'm not not super uh, up to like what is the release. But most of the bands I always listen to, like even like recently over and over, is like you know, Onasnop from uh, UK, Gride from Czech Republic, uh, Cognizant and uh, Trucido from uh, Dallas, uh, Texas, and mostly Triac Backsliders from DC. So. Um, so I write for Decibel, and I'm just oh. looking looking at my past articles. <laughs> I'd say they're arrivals, right, but they're not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, whatever. I don't, I don't give care. a fuck. <laughs> so Suffering Quota, Endless Swarm, okay. Warfuck, okay. Um, this band Chapong, Shitstorm, and a band we played with in Nashville, Corroded, hmm. released okay. a really fucking... It kind of reminds me of, like, ground like early ground because it's, it's got some serious beat down parts but then they really lock in for the blast beats that so, sounds cool. oh and also thin from brooklyn they released a really cool album that like is very artsy but blistering i would say it's like math core, math grind math core is important yeah math core is very important it's very important yeah 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 all right cool um Thanks. That's all I had. Anything else you guys want to shout out? Nothing. Uh, They're content. They're. Um, I think we. Sure. So we, you know, shout out Shatiz from Chapong and uh, GCVT Records for putting out our record, Holy along with Holy Goats, our friend Ralph from Germany, uh, who not only put out our record but put up with us for two weeks last summer when he drove us around Europe for uh, our European tour around uh, Obscene Extreme. What an incredibly, uh, what an incredibly charitable man, and um, you know, and shout out Mold Dominion who put out our CD, uh, Jr. Um, there's got to be some other names. Cherby, thank you, Cherby, for everything. You're the man. Uh, Thanks, everybody. That was Bandit. <laughs>